Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Oh my God, my whole life is an anxiety dream. <laughs> like a walking anxiety yes. daydream? <laughs> I am a walking anxiety daydream. Dude, yes. I've been having like the worst anxiety dreams at night. Like the kind where you oh. like forget about your final exam. Oh my gosh. Or like you forgot your homework. Yeah, or... all of that. So you're like going way back. Yeah, no, totally. But I have like the corporate editions too, where it's like, there's a big meeting and I'm not there. <laughs> I don't know how to use a calendar. Oh, no. And that like must wake you up in such a start. And I bring that up because today we're talking to Nora McInerney, whose book, No Happy Endings, was a big inspiration for me to kind of get rid of the mundane, like, everyday worries and anxieties. Yeah, Nora was such a great interview. I just felt so much more at peace with all the worries in my head. She is wise beyond her years. Yes. So you guys are in for a treat today because we're talking to Nora McInerney. Welcome to the Bustle Huddle. I am Anna Parsons. And I'm Jada Gomez. And like we said, today, talking to Nora. So you may know Nora from her podcast, Terrible, thanks for asking, for her (laughs) first memoir, It's Okay to Laugh. Or her new memoir, No Happy Endings, which is out right now and all of you should go get immediately. Yes, I'm so glad you passed the book to me. I cannot wait to read it as somebody who's a champion worry ward. I need this kind of reality check. Yeah, I was going to like beg her publicist to send me a new copy, but then I'm like, dude, now you know her. You got to pass her a buck or two, buy the book. Yes, absolutely. So I'm going to get me down to the Strand. We're here in New York, and uh, I'm going to buy it. Yeah, and I'm sure there are so many people, a lot of my friends will are going to want to pick this book up as well. So we'll definitely be sending our coins, Nora. Yeah, so to fill you guys in on who Nora is and her story, so Nora does not have a traditionally happy story. She suffered great loss at only the age of 34. She lost both her first husband, Aaron, um, her second child to miscarriage, and her father in a really short amount of time. And she has gone on to not only survive, something that would break, I think, a lot of people, she has gone on to, to thrive, but not by forgetting her tragedy, but by carrying that while also experiencing joy in her current life. Yeah. Um, and I brought up the anxiety dreams in the beginning because I feel like we're so preoccupied with like either our fear of the future or just like wrapped up in like tiny little BS moments. Yeah, I think it's so true, like in terms of like getting so wrapped up in the future and like for me, like making sure everything is perfect and tied up mm-hmm. and the fact that she has that same kind of personality or did before her first husband and she really was able to kind of like come to terms and shed a lot of that was just really inspiring. Yeah, it is. You know, like her book is titled No Happy Endings. I think that we could all actually find comfort and that there are never going to be any nice, clean, like, breaks from hardship. Yeah, I did really find that title comforting in a way that I didn't think I would after speaking with her. But it does kind of feel like you can, like, breathe and know that it's not going to be a fairy tale and that's fine. Yeah, but I think everybody needs to hear it from Nora herself. From we're going to be talking herself. Yeah, we're going to be talking a little bit about her life, about the book, and we get to ask her for some advice. Mm-hmm. So let's kick it off. And 
Nora. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I was also painfully early, so thank you oh, for being it. kind about it. We got to catch up. We got to talk. I, I realized, uh, and this was not presented to me earlier, but I had the delight of realizing that you are tall, oh, yeah, which yeah. is I was ready for it. I was waiting. So fun. I was Anna like, I was really like, excited about that. Bit. We just looked each other in the <laughs> eye. We were like, yeah. I have not seen you since we left our Amazon planet. Right. I didn't have to do the lean over. Mm, like, yeah, the hunch. Know, the hunch yeah. where I just, I'm just trying to hear people. Yeah. It's not about insecurity anymore. It's just about basic needs. You know it. Yeah, but we, that was amazing. That yeah, was, was, that was really, that was really wonderful. Yeah. So you're here in, you know, women's digital media. And I feel like we constantly have all these articles for women on how to, you know, live their best lives, on how to prepare for the worst and, you know, have it all. And I feel like your book and a lot of your work is just such a revelation because it tells you that you don't have to have it all and that things aren't going to turn out the way that you plan for them. Yeah. And maybe don't even try to have it all. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The key takeaway, like, don't, don't. That was kind of my my first question was, is it even worth trying to have it all? Is it even worth planning for? Or is it even worth planning for the worst? I mean, you can plan for the worst. As it, and there are certain practical things that, yes, you should do. We were talking about money right before we started rolling. Like, you should have oh boy. a will, no matter what. Uh, what if, if you don't you have are, anything if you put in the will? <laughs> then it should be really easy practical to write. You should have, you should have a, uh, a health care directive that says, if this, then that. These are the things that I, these are the medical interventions I would want versus what I wouldn't want. There are templates for all this online. Um, and you should especially if you are in a long-term relationship or if you have children, you should have life insurance and you should know who your beneficiaries are and all of that stuff. There are certain things that you can do to prepare for the inevitable, but there's no way to prepare in order to try to prevent it. Does that make sense? A lot of the things that we do, a lot of our anxieties about the future or about the things that we want or we think we should have or, or should be doing are all tied up in control and in a way of hoping to avoid it. And that is how I lived the majority of my life. Yeah. Before I dated Aaron, I'd broken up with a boy. I mean, essentially because he had really unhealthy habits. Mm. He had really unhealthy habits. And I was like, I like I don't living? want living like, habits. Yeah. You know, I was like, I, I can't be with a guy who's going to die young Oh, LOL. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, I was like, you take such shitty care of yourself. Like, that's so bad. I thought that what I was doing was like sidestepping a tragedy. Mm-hmm. And I fell crazy in love with Aaron. And he did take amazing care. He was the only person I ever met who had never smoked a cigarette or done one drug ever. Ever? Ever. Did he drink? He would like have like a drink. And people were like, he got so oh, drunk. God. He would just hold a drink. Oh, my basically. gosh. And that was, I was like, but no, 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 I made the, I made a good choice. And I did make a good choice. I did. Yeah. And if you would have told me when I was 17 or when I was 21 or, or 25, well, you're going to fall in love and this guy's going to die. I would have said like, give me his name so I can avoid him forever. Yeah. So I can, so I can make sure that does not happen to me. And you would have missed the whole I would have experience. missed everything. I would have missed wow. like the miss kind your... of, I would have missed everything. I would have missed this. I wouldn't be here right now. Yeah, your current mm-hmm. self. Everything. Yeah. yeah. I think about that a lot. The thought exercise of like, if I could go back in my 20s and do everything on this checklist I found on the internet, would I? And my answer is no. I'm sitting here in much different circumstances. I'm 33. I'm in a ton of debt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like I said, I got nothing to put on my will except mm-hmm. for the cat. And 
you know, in a lot of ways, I didn't really achieve what I wanted to, but we're all the sum of our bad choices or mm-hmm. even the unfortunate events that happened to us. Yeah. And what a relief. Yeah. And what a relief. Yes. Yeah. So as someone who's a worry wart and a planner, I have this thing where it's hard for me at times to believe that like everything is okay and that I can like live and like things being fine or things being great like as soon as I'm kind of like happy that anxiety comes in as like the the other shoe is going to drop or what if something bad happens and ruins it so how do you cope with that feeling of anxiety that like something is bad is going to happen and it's going to ruin everything and just literally live in the moment yeah I have this tattoo on my wrist that I got right before my wedding to Aaron uh, that says now and I needed that because before there was a month that passed between him getting his brain surgery and finding out he had brain cancer and then us getting married and I remember finding out he had a brain tumor and laying in bed and just going like directly to his funeral and just being like really like this cannot be happening but it's going to happen he's going to die and then I'm going to be sad and and there's no amount of worry that can actually prepare you mm. for anything bad that's going to happen. So your I, I don't want to insult your imagination, but it's 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 inadequate. It's right. completely inadequate. That is not to say that I don't love to worry because you kind of like that cortisol. You kind of like that stress effect. And that's just a that's just a thing that we enjoy because it feels like we are it feels productive even though it's it's not at all. Right. But the fact is, like, the other shoe will drop. You don't know when, and you don't know how, mm-hmm. and you can't control it. And now I know that terrible things are going to keep happening, and I'll get through it somehow, but there's nothing I can do now that will make it easier when it happens. That's a really great point, too, because it's like that worry is something that's like, well, at least I know what that feels like. Mm-hmm. Like, did you did you imagine your parents dying when you were little? Yes. Okay. Are your parents alive? Yes. Okay. So I imagined my parents dying all the time. Mm-hmm. It was like my favorite thing to do when I fell asleep would just like cry for my dead parents while they were alive down the hall. Very, very strange way to fall asleep. But it did not feel none of that helped when my dad died. Mm-hmm. It's not like I could pre-feel it and then be fine when he died. Right. It was completely useless and interesting you know what I mean yeah Yeah. no totally makes so much sense I'm one of those people that like I'll like hug my cat and I'm like but you're gonna die Mm -hmm. (laughs) which I think is just very human yeah um yeah yeah. and that's but knowing that like that's 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 a fine thing to know and to acknowledge like that's that's awesome and yeah I want like our kids to know that too like yes like your life is going to be hard and your life is good and both of these things are true like your life is good. It has been hard. It will be hard again. Mm-hmm. Right. Like to move on to the relationships and I'm, I'm reading some of the coverage at other sites. I think I read the Vogue one today and the um, the headline is what you're in love with both of your husbands or something mm-hmm. to that nature. But people are treating it like it's just this like like it's outrageous that you're still able to love both. And well, move on. I thought it was outrageous. I was so ashamed right. of like falling in love with Matthew. I felt awful and it's because I had no example to look to and also nobody around me had lived this and and nobody could relate to it and so I assumed and in some cases correctly that they were judging it Mm -hmm. and I know from 
the thousands of people who are in the Hot Young Widows Club that if it happens to you, you wouldn't judge it. You wouldn't. But having been on the outside and seeing one of the women I knew whose husband died before Aaron and also had brain cancer, I remember her calling me and saying, I have a date. And me looking at Aaron and being like, she has a date. And him saying, don't judge her. Yeah. And reprimanding me for that. And and truly probably seeing my future and knowing it's you have no idea. You have no idea. I wish that I would have had this awareness before Aaron died. Yeah. Because my view of love was so restrictive Mm -hmm. and was like, well, if you are with someone, then you better hate everybody who came before me. (laughs) Exactly. Like, I am better in every way. Right. And Aaron was the first person I ever dated who had nothing bad to say. About his previous about girlfriend previous of 10 yeah. years, by the way. Such a good sign wow. such about a good sign. any man or woman you're going to date. Yeah. yeah. And and I, I look at that and I had kind of tried to parent trap them into a friendship at the end of his life that I, I don't I don't know. His ex-girlfriends? His ex-girlfriend. At the, you know, I was yeah. like, I was like, just come here. You know, I don't know. Like, don't you guys want to see each other or something? And I don't I don't know why that didn't happen. But I, I do think that it was probably because I was I was so jealous of Katie when I met Aaron because she is so pretty she looks like Mandy Moore only she's 6'2 and she's like everyone loves her yeah like I'm not gonna like the girl everyone loves who came before me and I'm like oh my god what a waste like what a waste and now Katie and our kids go to the same preschool like I do love her she's wonderful and I love her because yeah there's I'm like damn it but because it feels it that's just such a that's such a weird, small and pervasive view of love. But now I see her as this person who made Aaron. Yes. And I also see her as this person who holds so much of him that I'll never know. Mm. And I like that those memories are in her somewhere and that he and his memory is out there, like in a nearby suburb, being a part of her forever too. That's incredible. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But I wouldn't have felt that way if he was still alive. It wouldn't have been the same. No, no. And I think like, but I think yeah, not everyone is going to have their boyfriend or their husband or their partner die. But like everybody comes to a relationship with previous relationships that I think we are better served as seeing as assets. And I Mm -hmm. see Matthew having my current husband, having been married, and having you know become a father when he was 22 like straight up teen dad material (laughs) I see that as an asset you know that he went through all of this stuff and now he's who he is today and so I think there is this sort of reflex that oh like how is Matthew with all of this like Mm. with all of this being like like Aaron you know he's not like he's not jealous he's not like (laughs) oh god I can't wait to be dead (laughs) you know (laughs) wow yeah right (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, like, my current boyfriend is very, very loving and wonderful, and so I don't have as many problems with jealousy, because sometimes I think jealousy really is indicative of you're not receiving enough love. Mm. Um, <laughs> like, he went on this um, trip to Africa with one of his exes, and I'm like, I don't want to hear anything about a safari. <laughs> you did not have fun. <laughs> this is yeah. a work trip. Yeah, okay. exactly. That's my Elizabeth Holmes voice I've been working on. Ah, Ooh, I haven't, I haven't actually heard her voice yet. Oh, God. It it's is, so it good. It is something. It's just this. I can just do the rest of the podcast like Elizabeth Holmes. Yes. Please don't. (laughs) And thank you so much for coming here. (laughs) We're going to have to wrap this up. (laughs) Um, 
if you don't mind, yeah. I really wanted to get some advice from you too. Oh, I love it. Yes. Because being a fan of your Instagram story presence, I know you love to give advice. I love it. Yes. Thank you. So do you think you're just naturally good at giving advice or do you think that your life experiences have equipped you with a specific type of knowledge? I think I've always liked to give advice. I had an advice column in the local newspaper when I was 12, and uh, which was honestly, it paid me more than some freelance writing jobs. It paid me $25 a column in 1994. Oh, my God. Four? That's great. It's kind of big money. Yeah. Right? Um, Doing something you already like to do. Doing something I already like to do. Did I have to make up the first three letters? Yeah, I did. Okay. (laughs) Absolutely. Were they your own problems? Yeah, they were my problems. (laughs) I was like, my big sister's mean to me. Well, those are universal 12-year-old problems. Yeah. I was like, middle school's hard and I'm ugly. (laughs) What do I do? (laughs) Well, these are very much like my close friends problem. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh and then afterwards I think now it's, it's still something that I enjoy doing, but it's always easier to solve someone else's problems. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You're not in it. Yeah. All right. First one. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Um, so I'm about to move cross country and I don't know anyone in California. My anxiety is surfacing and manifesting in unexpected ways. How do I calm down and put one foot in front of the other? Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, I want to move to California. Same. Oh, my God. It just seems so nice. Yes. Just think about how happy you're going to be. Actually, don't think about any all of that. All that vitamin like, D? All that vitamin D. I've never met a person in L.A., which is where I assume this person is moving, yeah, she is. who is not happy because of all the sun and because you get to go outside. And also, does this person live in New York right now? Yeah, they're, they're you... currently in New okay. York. You made friends in New York. It happened. You will make friends again. It will happen. It might be different than it was in New York. It certainly was different for me when I left New York and moved back to Minneapolis, even though I grew up in Minneapolis. Shouldn't it have been easy? It wasn't. But you said something about putting one foot in front of the other. And as irritating as this is going to sound, like that's literally just what you do. So you made friends before. You will make friends again. But let tomorrow's worries be for tomorrow and let today's worries be packing and remembering to cancel all of your utilities uh, in this city. Just worry girl. about worry about New York stuff in New York. Worry about L.A. stuff in L.A. That's really good. And let whatever happens happen. You can't like pre-make friends, unfortunately, but you can reach out to people who already live in L.A., or who know people who live in L.A. to be like, can you set me up on a friend date with somebody? Because the truth is, adulthood is so 
lonely. Plus, I don't know, everyone in L.A. is, like, happy and nice and fun. Yeah, they're, like, full of juice. Yeah, and just wrap, yeah. wrap up your time in New York, get to L.A., soak up that vitamin D, and then and then call me again. That's great advice. So for this person, I'm looking to switch careers, but I'm dealing with a lot of self-doubt, and I'm afraid of what people think of me, given that I'm inexperienced in that field. What are some tips on being brave and believing in myself? Okay, I told my cousin this when she was 22 and interviewing for her first job, but the vast majority of people are stupid. Like, you're smarter than most people just by, like, existing. And also, most incredibly terrible people have no self-doubt. Like, they have none. That is so true. They have none. So I think it's kind of a sign of competence when you feel some insecurity. That said, you mentioned having inexperience. I think sometimes people consider failure or almost like an anticipation of failure to mean that there is a learning curve for something, which there is for literally everything. You don't show up knowing how to do anything on this earth, especially if you're a human, because we are the most helpless animals, like when we're born. Mm -hmm. Like my dad said this to me after I had my baby. He was like, man, Two hours after a horse is born, it's standing. And he's like holding my child in the NICU. I was like, yeah, he's pretty worthless. Thank you for pointing that out. (laughs) But it's true. Like you had to learn absolutely everything, not because you were stupid, but because like that is your capacity. You are on this earth to like learn new things and learn how to do new things. So when you're switching careers or you want to try something new, you have to look at it that way, which is also I'm going to assume you're a woman because men... (laughs) never ask this um, <laughs> so um or listen to a podcast made by women fyi um they'd be like oh the voices they just like hurt. it's a, this frequency that i just don't like uh which is why elizabeth holmes talked like this so they just threw money at her <laughs> yeah they're like whoa but it, it sounds like a man Here we go. yeah millions millions um but women tend to judge themselves based on what they've already accomplished which means you will never ever progress. You have to judge yourself based on your capacity to learn and your capacity to change, which is much, much bigger than what you think it is. I have a book recommendation for you. It's called Mindset, The New Psychology of Success. It sounds like scammy, right? But it's not. It's so, so amazing. I highlighted basically the entire book. This is exactly how you should approach life, which is not thinking, oh, I'm not good at it right away. Therefore, I'm not good at it. It's, okay, I'm, I'm not good at it yet. I don't know this yet. I have another recommendation, which is watch the Elizabeth Holmes documentary on HBO because mm-hmm. that was too much confidence. But if you had like 10% of that, you would be amazing. And I, yeah. took, that, I took that documentary straight up inspiration. I was like, wow. When have you ever seen a woman scam at that level? Like, we should. I feel the same way. Like, I watched it, and I'm just like, wow, the way that she just, like, controls her. Like, she's so self-assured. She controls her narrative. She believes her narrative at one point. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, wow, she really. I felt the same way. And then when everything was, like, falling apart, I was like, okay, yeah, she's. Right. Evil for good. Yeah. Like for a good hour, I was like, she's pretty badass. Yeah. Same. (laughs) Yeah. Same. I'm like, yeah. Did she take it too far? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Was it was it a great endeavor? No. Was she 
an amazingly confident human, undoubtedly. Yeah. Like, yes. I always say I want to live in the first half of a cult documentary when everything's good and before Are you it starts to wild, fall wild apart. Country? Oh yeah, the for first sure. three, the yeah. first three episodes. When they're just having great sex and they're like building their city. I was like, Come what on. is the matter, feds? Yeah. Get out of here. This is nothing to see. And by the sixth, I was like, okay. I, all right, you can park your All car. right, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah, it's like that with Elizabeth Holmes. For the first half, be her. Yeah, yeah for the first, first half, be her. I was like, I was be like her. I, I'm fine with this. And then I was like, oh, okay. Okay, yeah. I, I get it. All right, yeah. all right, all right. She fell off course. Yeah. <laughs> Going back to, like, inexperience. So I one thing I struggle with there is um, being afraid that I'm too old to try oh. something new. Oh, I which... thought that my whole life. I was like, I can't learn piano. I'm 12. Yeah. What the? Like, and also... Here's here's something. Here's a, a strong opinion I have. We have a 12-year-old, and they wanted to try a new sport. 12. Mm, okay. And I say, well, I mean, but everyone else, I think it's just too late for me to try a new sport. I'm like, oh, oh my God. Yeah. And you know why? Because we, like, push kids into sports and, like, oh, you have to be in an elite mm-hmm. sport. No, you don't. Just try things for fun. And also... No, my grandma graduated from college when she was 85 mm-hmm. with a degree in studio arts, and... Was she the oldest graduate that year? Yes, she was. Mm-hmm. She was, but she graduated before me. So. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> so yeah. good for her. And my mom finished college when I was still in college, I think. And yeah, nobody nobody too. at her job even yeah. knew that she didn't have a degree. Like, it just never came up. Second to last one. How do I save a dying friendship? When is it okay to just let it go? Oof. I have never... Uh, overtly broken up with a friend. I've always done a shitty fadeaway, or it's just happened, and I've looked up and been like, "Wow, I haven't talked to them in three years." Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes that's okay. Like it doesn't have to be like a big like. And also now, um, Anna, we're not friends, and so I just wanted to take you out to dinner and just say we are absolutely not friends anymore, and this is over. And okay, so I've two, I've that I've sucks. <laughs> right. I've I do have two thoughts it. on this. So one is that. Because of the internet, relationships that would have naturally just sort of faded into the background of your life are still tethered to you uh, through the internet. Yeah. So a person that you lost touch with from high school, you you should, right? Except, well, you're still Facebook friends, so shit, should you tell them when you're back in town? And, oh, God, I don't know. And, oh, we sort of comment back and forth, or we always say we're going to meet up, and and we don't. And those are windows that I think it is okay to close because they were meant to. And not all relationships in our life, period, are meant to be long-term relationships. Sometimes we have these really intense relationships with people that we work with, and we see them every single day. And we have lunch with them every single day, and I know everything about their life. And then one of us switches jobs, and we kind of keep in touch, and then we don't. And that's okay, too. Mm -hmm. We have that in college. We have that in high school. We have that all the time through life and I think if there's if it's a relationship that has had a lot of conflict and you're wondering can I CPR it back together do you think it matters as much to you as it does the other person and also why and like really be honest with yourself why this friendship is worth work because friendships are work and friendships have have like ups and downs, certainly, just like any relationship. But if you can be honest with yourself and say, well, I want you because, well, they're friends with everybody else I'm friends with. Like, well, uh, God, I don't know, just I guess because I because I, I should be like there are ways to still have like a mutually respectful 
interaction with someone that doesn't involve you inviting them to everything you do. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, totally. So, so I, but I think that there, there's sort of a, a gradation to friendships, and friendships sort of switch in their importance in your life, and it isn't as on and off as a romantic relationship typically is, right? Which is like, we are together, we are not together. Yeah. Friendships, you have many, many, sort many of. of them at a time, and they and people switch tiers all the time. And But if it's as important to the other person as it is to you, then pursue that. And if it isn't, then I think you have your answer. Ouch. <laughs> yeah. I never thought about that. That's so true. Yeah. And like you can be friendly with yeah, somebody no, totally. and friendly when you see them without being like a, a capital F friend. Yeah. Um, JD, feel free to throw one in here, but I have one that I promised my boyfriend I would ask. Yeah, go ahead. So first of all, he's a good one. However... We just have one problem that I discovered over the weekend. So it turns out he's a bike shorts wearer in the summer. Um, <laughs> he loves to bike, but he insists on wearing um, literal, like, tight spandex bike shorts. Oh, yes. Yeah. And he also believes that socks are universal, that you can wear any sort of sock with any sort of outfit. So with his uh, black spandex bike shorts, he was wearing, uh, like, brown trouser socks. <laughs> and I'm just having a really hard time with it, and I don't know what to do. <laughs> I, but he's great in every other way. Yeah. Okay. First of all, as a person who bought a very expensive road bike after her husband died and used it like four times so far, so the cost per use is like astronomical, <laughs> um, you need those shorts. You need those shorts. They look so bad and but they I, feel so good. The socks, my friend, I don't morally agree with that choice <laughs> yeah I do want to tell him that you were making a face as I asked my question it was because... a little wincy yeah, I also wincy. socks are not universal they make they make cycling socks yeah. twin six is a great brand they make great cycling socks and you won't mind when he wears those cycling socks with like jeans because they kind of, they're cute they're sort of like a mid crew height yeah. I do think that a man who can buy himself some padded shorts which are not cheap can get himself a pair of bike socks, okay? They're probably next to each other on the aisle. Yeah, it would be hard not to. Yeah. It would even, if you bought them on Amazon, it would be like a suggest frequently bought with. Right. He's willfully. Yeah. But I also love a weirdo. Yeah. You know, I really do. He's great. He's great. I love a weirdo. This um, is our, our first major problem. Yeah, so that's rough. It's a big one. It is. It's, it's, uh, it's barely surpassable this is where it is where it either make or break something is in the yeah. sock selection i agree okay yeah. yeah well i think the answer is i need to buy him some socks get or him he, some yeah. twin six bike okay, socks up. twin six bike socks. twin six makes great bike socks and they're they're cool too you'll be like oh yeah and he'll be like oh my god these feel great I'll be proud these feel so them. much better than yeah. trouser socks what was i missing all my yeah. life i love you you're perfect so <laughs> Well, Nora, thank you so much. Thank Is you for having me. Anything that you would love to plug besides um, your, your wonderful book and your, your current tour? Yeah, no, we're on, that, we're on tour for Terrible Thanks for Asking. No Happy Endings Tours. Um, I started uh, this company called Still Kickin'. It's stillkickin.co, and we sell cute stuff, and we give the money to people who are going through difficult things. We give unrestricted financial grants to people who are in trouble, and that was inspired by Aaron and his favorite thrift store shirt, so... That's something I care about a lot. Very cool. Yeah. That's cool. Well, thanks so much for coming in. Thank you for having yes, me. It's really fun. Incredible.
The Bustle Huddle is produced by Anna Parsons and Michaela Heck with help and love from Roseanne Salvatore. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. And definitely leave us reviews on iTunes because we'd love to hear your feedback. You can also reach us at huddle at bustle.com. I'm your host, Jada Gomez. And I'm Anna Parsons. And we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig, inspiring kid confidence.